Praise the Lord, everybody. Going to jump right into my opening scripture of Hebrews 4 and 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hallelujah. Brother Churchill, would you pray for this service tonight? Yes, Jesus. You are good. You are mighty Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes about a simple title of The Two Thrones of God. In our opening verse, it says, Come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. God's mercy is the foundation to our existence. It's why we are able to enjoy this, this beautiful place that we're able to live, all these magical and wonderful things that he's placed in our life for us. And without God's mercy, we would not be here. God could have very well just said, you know what? I'm tired of all this. I'm tired of it. I'm just going to end it all. But he hasn't. Amen. He has given us an opportunity to come forward to the throne of grace and obtain mercy in our lives. Hallelujah. The grace of God cannot be taken, yet it must be given. If you could put up 2 Timothy 1 and 9, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Hallelujah. God's grace is the foundation upon which this gospel message is built. Hallelujah. As new believers, as, as lifelong churchgoers, this is a truth we can always hold on to, that we owe our lives to the grace of God and what he has done for us. And at the end of that, it says of 2 Timothy 1 and 9, it says, before the world began, before the creation of mankind, God knew that he would need to rescue each and every one of us from the sins of this world. Amen. He knew every trial, every tribulation, every high and every low that would be placed in our lives. He knew it before the world began. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not God's backup plan. Amen. Everything between Adam's first breath and when God calls his people home is all part of God's gracious plan to redeem mankind. Hallelujah. And I want to be a part of that plan. God, you are good. God's grace, we read about it, impacts so many aspects, so many areas of the Bible. In Genesis 6 and 8, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Joshua chapter 2, God's grace is shown on a woman named Rahab, someone who had done so much wrong that most of mankind, most of society would just say, judge, judge, judge. But God saved her. Hallelujah. 
David, a man that the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, lusted, stole, fornicated, lied, killed, and God still loved him. He still saved him, and he still covered him with his grace. There are so many stories of healings, deliverance, protectings, and so on, and they all fall under the grace of God. And God's grace is still available to you and I if we will humble ourselves before the throne of God. Amen. The throne of God is a true place of ultimate power and authority. The image of God on the throne is unlike anything us as humans can comprehend. There is nothing that we've been exposed to or become witness to in our lives that can match what it might have been like to witness God on his throne. Sis, if you could put up Revelations chapter 1, 13 through 16. It says, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his, fur, his feet, excuse me, foot, and girt about his paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hairs were white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were as flames of fire, and his feet unto like fine brass, as if it was burnt in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And in his right hand was seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance as the sun shineth in strength. Hmm. Can you imagine what it must have been like to catch a glimpse of God Almighty on his throne? Hallelujah. The Alpha and the Omega. The Bible says in Acts 7 and 49, also in Isaiah 66 and 1, says, Heaven is my earth and the throne is my footstool. Nahum 1 and 3 says, The Lord is great in power. And it also says the clouds are nothing but the dust of his feet. Exodus 33 and 20, God says that no man can look on my face and live. The God we serve is the ultimate definition of power, amen? And with all these bold statements, all these analogies that just take what, what it may have been like to see him he still remains to be a God full of grace and love. Hallelujah. Grace definition out of the Student Bible Dictionary says favor. And then it follows it and says God's free and undeserved love that never quits. Hallelujah. Are we glad that our God's love never quits? Hallelujah. We do not deserve the grace God has been willing to share with us. But it doesn't matter whether we see ourselves worthy because God hung on that cross for each and every one of us. He went to that cross for you and I. He paid that price so that we did not have to, so that we could abound in the grace of the Lord. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, My grace is sufficient for thee. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, for by grace you are saved. Romans 6 and 14 
For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans 3 and 24, His grace brings redemption. Titus 2 and 11, the grace of God bringeth salvation. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight, it is time to come boldly to the throne of grace. God has a plan for you, whether you like it or not. God is coming back, and I don't want to know about, about what may have been or what might have come. I want to be covered by the grace of God. And with all that's been said, with every verse that we read about the grace of God, every miracle we hear, all the things that God did, all the people that God touched, that he healed, so many marvelous works of grace. We have to remember, though, that there are two sides to every story, amen? The second throne of grace is the throne of judgment. It's easy to always talk about God's grace and all the wonderful things that he's done, but it's a little harder to talk about, about God's judgment. But I can tell you that you cannot have God's grace without God's judgment. Sis, if you could put up Revelations 20 and 12 through 15. Says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their work. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's pretty straightforward. Think on that. The Bible says in Revelations 1 and 18 that God holds the keys to hell and to death. But God said in Revelations 3 and 20, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will sup with him and he with me. He didn't say if he answers the door and comes unto me, I might sit with him. I might go with him. He said, I will if he will answer my call in his life. This Revelation 20 passage does not have to be our fate. Does, God does not want this for you and I. God wants us to become part of that hundred million angels crying, holy, worthy is the lamb that was slain for us. Hallelujah. God's grace is here tonight and you can have it. God has given us the opportunity to have our lives covered by his grace. And these, these gifts that he has provided can be found at this altar tonight. The gift of repentance. To ask for forgiveness. The gift of a water baptism 
in the name of Jesus Christ. In the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking with other tongues. Those three things can change your life forever. Hallelujah. And they will give you a covering of the throne of grace. Most importantly, they will allow us to escape that judgment, that seat, and it will allow us to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. The throne of God is worth the wait, my friend. It's here. It is calling. He's standing at the door and knocking. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is what are we going to do with it? And what throne will we stand before? Pastor Herring. After Sunday, I'll be gone for a while, and I say that so Brother Pyle, you understand that if Brother Schrack sends a text and I forward it to you that he's in Palmer, and we know ahead of time, I'd like you to give him this pulpit, let him speak to our people. Uh, I didn't know you were going to be here tonight. I didn't even know you were here until we were singing a chorus or two, but I'm not apologizing for anything. I appreciate the segue, Brother Dave, tonight about the grace of God. And the remarks you've made are just kind of brewing in my heart right now. February 22nd, 1980. 1980. 38-plus years ago. Lake Placid, New York. The Winter Olympics are going on. And... This improbable USA men's ice hockey team. The David on the block full of Goliaths. This boy among men. This child among giants. Is doing the unimaginable. With seconds only left on the clock. Hall of Fame iconic voice of Al Michaels as the clock goes 10 seconds, 9 seconds, 8 seconds, 7, 6, 5, and about 5, 4, 3 seconds, Al Michaels utters these words that are in, they are just forever locked into sports history. Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? At Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I know I didn't give any of this to you, but that's where we're going. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. That's my title tonight. Do you believe in miracles? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape 
If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his will. Do you believe in miracles? Someone say in Jesus' name with me. And the clock ticked down to zero, and the unimaginable occurred. The men's USA hockey team had won the gold medal over none other than Russia. David had defeated Goliath. These things don't just happen. Webster defines a miracle as an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Say it again. Webster says a miracle is an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Do you believe in miracles tonight? He goes on to say, it's a work of awe that goes against the laws of nature that only God can do, unquote. Miracles. Truth is, anybody can and anybody, many people have claimed a miracle in their life. Numerous times in life, we've forgotten so many things that we've been through that we looked at and said, that's nothing but a miracle right there. We've been through handfuls of things that some we recall, some we've just forgotten over time, that we identified as nothing but divine intervention. The Bible said in Mark 16, 20, that God confirmed, does that word again, his word with what? Signs following. There you go. We go back to Brother Plato's teaching a couple of weeks ago. There was much teaching, and then the miracles occurred. The word goes forth, and then the signs and wonders follow the word being preached. Brother, don't tell me about your signs and wonders if you don't have any word. Don't tell me how great the miracles if you don't have any teaching and preaching. Confirms the word with signs that follow. Now, the street definition of miracle is where it gets a little cloudy. The everyday child of God or just good meaning person, churchgoer or not, that's where it gets a little cloudy, Brother Carl, in, in their description, their definition of miracle. It can literally be from avoiding a car accident. That was a miracle. Having a baby. How many times have you looked at a baby and said, that's just a miracle right there? The, 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 the pregnancy went wrong. Something the doctor said was not going to work out. That's a, that's a living miracle right there. I remember Pastor Churchill, without getting long and monotonous, it was Easter Sunday, and we'd been in Kenai Church a couple of years, and Elder Blackshirt called and invited us up 
they had a night service then. And he invited me to preach the night service on Easter Sunday. And we had just left the peninsula. Well, we were just outside of Sterling going towards the mountains. Sunday afternoon, two little toddlers in the back seat of that Mazda 626. And one of the kids spilt their 7-Eleven, uh, what do they call it, Big Gulp or something. And I'm driving and I reach back to help like that. And my wife says, watch out. And I did this and I went over into the over the shoulder of the road, and I was in the grass. God is my holy witness. When I, when I tried to correct or came back to my senses, you know, like that, it all happens like that, and I'm just getting ready to correct, there is a man that has fallen asleep at the wheel. He is in my lane on the shoulder of my side of the road, and literally, if I had had my window out, I could have touched his car when he went by, and I could see him asleep at the wheel. I'm down on past the shoulder of the road, He's over on my side, over past my side. Now, I don't know. I'm sure somewhere during the day I said that was a miracle. But if you'd have asked me right then, I was mad at one of them punk kids for spilling their soda in my back seat. I'm probably thinking, you little, again? Let me tell you how God works. So God sees the end from the beginning. And God knows when you need to take a left or a right or a break or a full speed ahead. Miracle in my eyes, definitely a miracle. I said, do you believe in miracles? Can David still defeat Goliath? How often can something occur and it become monotonous and no longer miraculous? How often can you visit the maternity ward and look at a newborn and continue to say, that's just a miracle right there? Is it still a miracle if you've had five or six children already? I've said this, and you've all heard me say it numerous times. I love to see these young parents. The first baby, they're like, nobody near my child. You know, plastic sheets and tents all around them. Let them have about four, and they're like, sure, where's my kid? Someone's got it around here. Mm. How many times can you look at something again and again and again, and it no longer be a miracle in your eyes? What I'm trying to say is sometimes we get, we get a little tainted in, in experiencing extraordinary events that God puts in our life. God's still doing good things, and we're just a little tainted by it. Oh, just a baby. Oh, just a little avoidance of a car wreck. Or just a, I just got a promotion because I was going to get a promotion anyway. How do you know that? How do you know God didn't change your boss's mind, change your spouse's direction? Well, maybe that's what this is, bro. I'm sorry. I got one right here. Brother play. I got one right here. Sorry. Someone jumped ahead of me. The everyday work of God in our lives. I said just the everyday work of God in our lives, like answered prayer. Is that a miracle? Depends on who you ask. An unexpected visit, good visit, a positive phone call. Something that changes my negative direction. 
Are these just everyday occurrences? Are these just the result of an almighty God working in or near us every day? Or are they divinely orchestrated by God in the dimension of the miraculous? To me, now this is just me here, all right? But in the Bible, at least in the Bible, miracles are often associated with desperation. Hey, God, there's Pharaoh. There's the Red Sea. It's not like I have any options here, God. Often in the scriptures, Bible weighty type of miracles, if I can put it that way, are often associated with, with desperation. You know what I'm talking about today? I'm, I'm saying sometimes we think things are common. And God's saying, where's that desperation you used to have? Where's that hunger you used to come to church with? Where's that thirsting you used to go to prayer service with? Oh, it's like, oh, no. Oh, no, another leadership meeting. Oh, another church Hallelujah. Scripture. Think with me now. I'm asking you for interaction. Don't raise your hands. I'm not even going to look at you. But just throw it out there as long as it's related. Talk up, give me some examples of miracles. Just quickly in the Bible. Moses had miracles, right? You go to the top of the mountain, there's a bush on fire and it's not being consumed. Would you call that a miracle? Woman with the issue of blood. Jesus had all kinds of miracle stories, didn't he? Hmm? Matthew chapter 14, Peter walking on the water. That's a miracle. Especially when Job said only God can walk on water. Hmm? Sarah's son. Sure. That's a miracle, right? All kind of them in the Bible. What's the, what do you, just throw it out at me, anybody. Lazarus, John 11, of course that's a miracle. John 5, the stirring of the water, pool of Bethesda, sure. Come on, let's talk about that. Now, that's, that, that's a good point. We're, we're going from visible demonstrations of divine intervention to someone that just needs direction inside the contents of God's Word, right? Is that a miracle to you, Brother Lance? Is truth a miracle? Is, is, is the revelation of the truth of the Word of God a miracle in your life? When you finally... When finally the light comes on in your mind, and no longer... It's not just religion anymore. It's the fact that you see He's the way, He's the truth... That is a miracle. We're not just a church or a religion. We're a Bible-believing, truth-preaching, revelatory-intending experience with God. That is a miracle. Five, four, three. Do you believe in miracles? Wednesday night service, about like this, huh? 
Jason DeWeese jumping up about where, somewhere between Sister Lynn and Sister Nicole. And I'm preaching on baptism. A visitor, he brought him, met him on a plane, gets up, and while I'm preaching on, out of Acts chapter 2, out loud he goes, I've been lied to, Pastor Herring. I've been lied to all this time. He was the start of 12 people that night getting water baptized in Jesus' name. 12 people. That's a miracle. That was a miracle. You won't shout about this one, and I, I need to pro move on here quickly, but, but what about Acts 5? What about the judgment of God? When into the house of God, Peter's ready for church to start, and in comes a man named Ananias. This isn't Saul's buddy. This is another Ananias. And Peter gets... He just gets that inquisitive spirit all over him. All you supernatural people out there thinking I'm crossing the line. I'm just playing with words. There's not a spirit. It's, a, it's just a, a little cloud you get under once in a while. Sometimes you get a little reading spirit on. You just can't stop reading, you know. Or you can't listen, stop. You get a little listening to a certain part of a song all over you, and you're like under a little cloud for a while, and you hit replay about ten times. And Peter's got this inquisitive spirit, and he goes, Hey, uh, concerning the collection here, did you sell the land for so much like you said? And I said, Yep, sure did. I wonder if, if anybody would look at the, the fact that Ananias went kaboom. Well, he must have just, it must have been his time to go. It's his time to go, all right. That's in your Bible, Acts chapter 5. Read it. And the Bible said he, Elisha, yeah. Ooh, you guys got this judgment spirit all over you tonight. Some of you like it. I like it. And, and then Mrs. Ananias, Sapphira, she walks in. Be careful who you marry. You hear me? I, I got news for you. I got news for you. After 38 years, I'd have said it after 38 minutes, but I'm saying it after 38 years. I, I don't intend to follow anybody to hell. Not my wife, not my best friend. I'm not getting in, I'm not getting into that circle, that union with anybody who wants to lie to God, and I'm not gonna stick up for him or defend him because. And Peter goes, is that how it was? She goes, that's how it was. And he said, you know what? The feet of those that carried your own husband out of here about to carry you out too. And she fell down dead and gave up the ghost, the Bible said, and they ushered her out. Uh, you never know how you might leave church that day. You think you're hiding all that stuff? You never know how you might be leaving church. You think you're hiding all that stuff? You never know what God knows and, and how you might come and leave differently. I'm, I, forgive me, Lord. I'm not trying to add to anything. I'm just letting my mind be... be what it wants to be right now, right? But sometime, I mean, they had to, at some point in time that day, you know, husband-wife communication, okay, it's church time, let's go. 
Sapphire, okay, I'll be ready in five minutes. Let's go. Guarantee you they didn't plan on leaving different than they came. Mm -hmm. And what about those what about those kids, huh? Bears. Someone said something like, well, don't worry about them bears. Like, you know, black, uh, black bears live in Florida and the Everglades and all that. And, and you, hear, you read these stories, oh, they're, they're small in comparison. They're like the size of a, a large dog or something, as if to insinuate. They're still not wild. Beasts that can impose their will on things. That's a bear, hello. Anyway, those kids found out, didn't they, Brother Lance? I'm a little excited here tonight. Miracles. Do you believe in miracles tonight? All right. Listen, listen, listen to the tone. Pastor Churchill, Brother Churchill, you know what I'm talking about when I say you're leading a service or you're preaching. You can feel the direction a service turns, Brother Shrack. You know that. It's like, it's like physical feeling to you, only it's internal, right? Watch how this turns right now. You believe in miracles tonight? Divine intervention? We can't orchestrate things. We can't say, okay, it's miracle time, God. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that in a service you don't feel like something's going to happen tonight. You can, in the preliminaries and the worship of the toast, you can feel like, ooh, God's up to something tonight in this place. And, I, and, and if I feel that, I, I, I tell them all, I don't know what you need, but get up here. God might just, he might just look your direction and fix it for you. We can't orchestrate it. We can pray. We can have faith for it. But certainly, if you don't believe in miracles, you're not going to have faith for them. You believe in miracles? Feel how it's going to change. Can Satan perform miracles? I said, can Satan perform miracles? Show us, show us Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 24. It's not me speaking. 24, 24. Jesus said they're going to rise false Christs and false prophets, and they're going to show signs and wonders. And these are, the, these are his minions here. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Like Brother Bear said, where, where's all the shouters now, right? We believe in miracles. We don't, we don't believe, I don't think we do at least, I don't teach it that the age of miracles died when the, when the original apostles gave up the ghost. There are, there's a great movement out there, a huge part of, of Christianity that believes that. If that's true, then is, is genuine Bible conversion not a miracle? When someone repents, when someone's... Baptize in Jesus' name when someone gets the Holy Ghost. Is that not a miracle? When, when apostolic regeneration really happens, is that not a miracle? That's why I don't understand when people don't come to the altar. I don't get that. 
I'm not trying to be ugly. I want you to come on your terms. Ish, all right? Sometimes you just got to make up your mind. My flesh is going to keep me here until I put my flesh in subjection. I'm going to the altar whether the flesh wants to go or not. But you tell me that when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, that's not a miracle? Yeah. Well, can Satan do miracles? So now I, I can see your wheels turning. So how, how do we know what's the difference with that of God? Isn't blasphemy identified as taking that which the devil did and saying it was God? Isaiah 5 verse 20. Or taking that which God did and saying it was the devil? Sure. Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. Blasphemy! Against the Holy Ghost, Jesus. Narrowed it down though, right? Jesus said they will do signs and wonders. Brother Churchill. Moses went to the water. The Nile River. That was life to the Egyptians. Commerce. And God turned the water to blood. And Brother Shrack, Pastor Shrack, you know what the Bible said? The Egyptians did the same thing. The Egyptians, magicians, did the same thing. Someone said, magic's not real. Don't kid yourself. The magicians turned the water to blood. And the next thing said frogs. Moses called the frogs in their ovens, in their beds, in their kneading troughs. They were frogs. And the Bible said the magicians of Egypt did the same thing. My Bible fell. Had it, didn't I? And the magicians did the same thing. My glasses out of that coat, please, someone. So you got God doing the real thing, and the devil over here going, so? So what? So what? I've said it forever and a day. Every time you see, every time in the Bible or in real life, Brother Nate, that you see God doing a real work, a revival in Palm, or a revival in Sterling, a revival in Kenai. Everywhere you see God stir it up. Won't be very long. Here come the devil over here. Start his little fires. Some little false doctrine church opens down the road. Every time God starts to do the real thing, the devil said, watch this. Mm. Pastor friend of mine, you know him. You probably heard the story. Pastor friend of mine, good friend of mine. One, one in his church, a Satanist, a devil worshiping Satanist. Okay. Someone said, "Well, that, that, there's certain categories of sin that God can't save us from." What what God you serving today, huh? Got news for you. God can save anyone. When they repent, it's over. Satanists, homosexuals, drunkards, drug addicts, liars, adulterers. 
Whatever. When they say, forgive me, Jesus, it's over. It's over. He won, he won the Satanist. Prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. Baptized him in Jesus' name. Faithful member of his congregation. And at lunch one day, they, had, they just, pastor felt a little bold. This pastor felt bold and said, I just got to know, what, what made you turn, even think about going that direction? What was it made you even think about leaving the church and become a Satanist? God is my witness. You know what he said in sincerity? He said, all Satanists are taught this, and we find it to be true, that the devil always answers quicker than Jesus. Unquote, quote and unquote. The devil always answers prayer faster than Jesus does. Luke 21, 19, good point. So I'm just trying to make a point to you here. That people that have lived in the real world know that Satan can do miracles. But it's the third one, Brother Churchill. Here's Moses. God, I'm stuck here. I'm doing these signs and wonders that you are authenticating and validating, and they're copying them. But Sister Pleo, in Exodus chapter 8, Verse 18 and 19. I want everybody to see this. Exodus 8, verse 18 and 19. This is the third plague that God sent into Egypt. And the magicians, now it's lice. Moses went in, prayed, and God sent lice everywhere. Lice all over the place. Lice on every person's body. In everybody's hair, lice. On your dogs, in your ovens, in your closets. Everywhere, lice. And the magicians said, they tried to do it with their enchantments to bring forth lice. I love those four words, but they could not. They could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast, verse 19. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, You and I might struggle to tell the difference or the line between what is genuine and fake. But the devil and his minions know what is real, brother. They said, this is the finger of God. We can't copy that. We've got magic, sleight of hands, trickery, deception, motives, moves, decoys. We know all about that. But there are certain places where God just kicks it into another gear. And you can't copy the real... Uh, I said, how do you know? Here's, I'm just going to put this in a simple term. This is how I would identify it because I'm simple of mind. All right? This is how I identify. This is how I define. This is how I put an end on the matter as to the genuine or not. <laughs> is through this miracle, this sign of the wonder, who's getting the glory? I said, who gets credit and who gets praise? The Bible said, James chapter 1, every good gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable, it's the shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he is where the word of truth. So the word of truth is what 
breeds, if you would. It's what breathes and births genuine miracles into our company. Do you believe in miracles tonight? How many times have you pr prayed for somebody in the hospital room and they did not get up? Does that stop you from the next time going into the hospital room and say, in the name of Jesus? How many times have you prayed over your, your child, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, someone else, a friend or something, and, and next thing you hear, no, they went ahead with the divorce. No, they went ahead and, and, and you know, sought the counsel of, of doctors or whatever. They're getting treatment. They didn't get well because you prayed for them. That happens. That might be life. I don't know. But I just want to summarize it this way. Who gets the glory? Not always, though. I'm, I'm saying in each situation. I know what you intended there. I, I really do. But in each situation, if I stood back and did not put in my two cents worth as casual observers or knowledgeable children of God, who's going to get the credit for that? If someone besides God gets the credit, I don't want to touch it. That's what I'm saying. I know you, I know you meant that. If someone besides God is not universally attached to the credit, I don't want him to do with it. You believe in miracles? Jesus said, according to your faith, 929 Matthew, be it unto you. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. Al Michaels thought winning a hockey game was miraculous. And I'm sure it was a consuming ideal if you were there watching it or listening to it. You could hear it in his voice. It was just. But if winning a hockey game qualifies as a miracle, what, 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 what about when your visitor was here in church Sunday morning, huh? Ah. What about when you prayed and your mother did call you back? Hmm? What about when you prayed and your boss did meet you in the break room and offer you that promotion? We go nuts over a hockey puck getting into the net and act like it's some cataclysmic shift in the... Some of us are just thankful that God brought us to the house of the Lord tonight. Safely. I believe in miracles, praise God. Do they occur commonplace? No, if they did, I don't think I would look at them as miracles, necessarily. Maybe miracles do go on, Brother Church, and we don't even think about it that much. Every day, I'm sure they do. I, I, that's obvious, right? Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, that's appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope, glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for grace tonight, God. Thank you for grace tonight, God. Thank you for the divine intervention tonight, God. 
Thank you for divine intervention. Will you believe God one more time? Will you believe God one more time for divine intervention? God, if you don't intervene, if you don't interrupt right now, God, if you don't intervene right now, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, if you don't intervene in my situation right now, I'm desperate, God, I'm desperate, God, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for a healing touch. I'm desperate for a financial blessing. I'm desperate for a new job. I'm desperate for a healing touch tonight. Heal us! Heal us! Sister Rita, would you come down here? I want to pray for you in the name of Jesus. Grab me some oil there, brother. Somebody, let's, let's anoint her with oil. Anybody else want to be prayed for tonight? Anybody else want to stand in the gap and make up the hedge? Thank you, Lord. 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 I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles.